chance of the victory for the Georgetown Hoyas. And 89-78 will be the final. Well, Carter, it wasn't easy, but win is a win. A second win is a second win. And we're at 2-0. Yeah, I gotta say that's that's the most uninspiring, undefeated start to a season I think I've ever seen. But we are undefeated. <laughs> yeah, never lost, baby. <laughs> never lost. Yeah. Never. But yeah, so believe it or not, the Hoyas haven't fucked up yet. We almost did. We tried. We really tried. With yeah. With it. But yeah, we. We even bought death a drink. <laughs> we we bought death a couple drinks, man. Honestly, um, uh, we got death a little tipsy, but we, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got two games to unravel, get our thoughts on it, also predictions for the upcoming week in Hoya basketball, Penn State wise specifically, um, and yeah, otherwise just here to do another podcast episode, get back in the swing of things, and see if we have any blistering, interesting takes to throw out. Hot tip. And uh, I really don't because I'm just genuinely confused about this team <laughs> as of right now. Um, and as a general disclaimer, please don't hold any of our takes against us in this episode. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, I've dissected the game tape over and over, and it's just kind of like a roller coaster where you don't really know what you're going to get game in and game out, and that's what makes... This game against Penn State upcoming Thursday, uh, scary and both uh, exciting because we'll we'll know what this team is made of real quick. Yeah, yeah, and and to add on to your disclaimer, I wouldn't don't hold any of our takes the entire season against us. We are a limited liability podcast, meaning that we refrain from the right to be considered premier intellectual sources on Georgetown basketball. Although I'd like to think we both know our stuff. Um, if, if last season proved anything, it's that we were, we're wrong a fair amount, <laughs> we are wrong, but we are also adventurous. Yes, yes, yes. We're not afraid to be wrong. And that's, that's really what matters. Absolutely. But with that ready? being said, yeah, with that being said, let's, let's try not to be wrong. <laughs> Welcome to D. Welcome to DC. Yes, yeah, I forgot about that addendum you added. Oh yeah, but uh, want to jump right into that? Uh, what was nearly a debacle of a first game? Yeah, let's do it. Well, as, as I'm sure most of you know, Georgetown was down by 19 points in the second half to Mount Fucking St. Mary's, a bad mid-major team. We were down by 19 with 16 minutes to go, and somehow emerged with a 13.181 to get uh, to 68. Good God, dude! Thank God I didn't uh, go to that game in person. That was ridiculous. I was watching the game in my living room. Now that I'm a washed-up uh, alumnus, my mother was there with me, and I was throwing a mini fit, and I was just reduced to laying down on the couch, accepting the inevitable, what, what seemed to be inevitable death that was waiting upon us, but. That was when a young man named James Akinjo yanked us out of that deficit and breathed life back into Georgetown. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about James leading that charge in the second half in a bit, but firstly, only a mini fit? Are you sure? There's not, you don't throw mini fits, Dan. Uh, I was pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> I threw my phone into the couch at one point. I was so angry. You said it reminded you of the Radford game, right, of years past? Oh, it did. It really did because the expectations. That was in 2015 when I was a freshman. Oh, uh, okay, before my time. My first George. Yeah, it was a. You were a senior in high school still at Regis, but I was there, and Georgetown had similar expectations. It was more of a veteran team, 
It was flirting with top 25 preseason, and a team that Georgetown had handled in the past came in and just stunned Georgetown in what was a really flat performance by the Hoyas, given their expectations. And it seemed as though that this was going to be the same case because Georgetown usually plays Mount St. Mary's at least once during the non-conference schedule. The teams and programs have great relationship, and Georgetown has never really had any difficulty with them up until this point. Yeah, yeah, but I everything that went wrong in that game, or everything that could have gone wrong in that game went wrong. Oh, yeah. In the first half, close to nothing went right. We just couldn't score. Yeah, I know. We couldn't we couldn't put the ball in the basket. Yeah, I and that that was probably the most surprising thing for me cuz you know, not like any D1 team is worth underestimating, but size-wise, Mount St. Mary's had, had no one. I mean, Omer was feasting, but that was mostly off of everybody else's breaks. Mhm. There was a yeah, lot of rust. Honestly, even in that corner, I thought I think you put that well. A lot of rust. I thought that Omer, even though his stats look good in that game, I didn't think he was nearly as effective or rhythmic in a weird way. You could see that he was still struggling to get his legs under him. The touch was off. He looked a little uncertain in that first half, not necessarily as aggressive as he could have been. And I think that hurt the team. Even though he did have a 20-12 and 12 game shooting 7 of 9, I thought there was a marked difference between the way he played in the final seven minutes of the game versus the first 27. I think you're right. And I, I think a lot of that came on the defensive end. He got abused in pick and roll coverage in the first half and a half of the game. One and a half halves, I guess, if you want to call it that. It's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, he was getting trapped a lot when he came out to hedge the ball handler, he wasn't able to get back in time and no one was rotating to step up to help him. So they got a lot of easy baskets around the rim. And anytime a mid-major gets hot from 3-2, you know it's going to be an annoying game. Yep. And that, both of those factors really culminated in, like you said, a almost 20-point deficit. I, I thought there was no chance we were going to win. Uh, yeah, when we went down by, I thought that when we were down by 12 at halftime, 37 to 25 i thought that if we were going to come back and win this game we would need to step on the gas pedal immediately coming out of the second half and that just did not happen at all <laughs> it was classic georgetown coming out of the break incredibly slow and either usually they blow a lead but this time they just let the lead increase uh back to the omer point i thought one of the bigger problems was he was just so aggressive hedging on his yeah teams. it made it actually a little bit more difficult for him to recover and again it was rust it was him not playing an organized game in a year due to the fact that he had to sit out a year since he transferred from nc state but the first half was just nightmare fuel dude it was terrible i know i know thankfully james akinjo the james akinjo from the xavier game last year just went god mode and dragged and resurrected this team quite frankly when god mode and resurrected us it, that's really what it was <laughs> stay on a bit of a catholic uh theme but what he did in the second half was quite quite frankly remarkable yeah it started with i believe i mean we switched to the press after we were down 19 and that helped us get a couple easy buckets you know i think omer got a layup or two we got a steal and james had a layup and then james hit a three and then another three in transition to cut it to nine, I think. And then from there, and that happened in maybe two minutes, minute and a half. And from there, it became, um, you know, a little bit of a back and forth effort. And then James had a second run where he hit a mid-range, um, I think a layup around the rim, like an up and under type thing. And then a sexy Euro and one finish. Yeah, he was just all over the court. And I agree that steal layup by james in transition that cut the deficit to 15 it was 46 31 yep. it was the full court press james got the steal slipped it to jake and jake gave it right back to him he went down laid it in it infused some life into what was a dead capital one arena and that kind of jump started jump started james's offense and what we what we have seen from james up until this point and at his georgetown careers he is a very streaky player when he's feeling it, the kid's close to unguardable. You can't keep him out of the lane. 
His three-point shot is falling, which makes him that much more difficult to defend. But when he's cold, he, he struggles. And we saw that in the Central Arkansas game. But yeah. luckily for Georgetown, the hot James was what showed up in the second half. Yeah. If he didn't show up, his team would be one and one at the moment. I Seeing James play that well in person made me really impressed. Like, a lot of his finishes around the rim, he never even tried last year. And I think you can attribute that to the upper body strength that he gained. Like, you even said you called him a thick boy when we saw him <laughs> against Central Arkansas. But he's definitely bigger. He finished through contact on both of those. Um, and, and that's obviously the main thing that he needs to work on as far as a layer being added to his offensive game. And he, he was a demon. Man, it was you could see it in his eyes too. He was mean mugging the shit out of it. He was the Tasmanian devil on the court. He was just all over the place, making plays left and right. And listen, it, he is. I, I can't say enough good things about what he did in this game to yeah. save us from what would have been an absolute colossal, uh, colossal loss. It would have yeah, no, there's no way we would. There's no chance we make the tournament if we lose that game. It would have been one of the it might it might have been what would have been worse this loss or the loss to Loyola Marymount last year I think this would have been worse oh this would have been worse for sure this would have been worse for sure because this was at home first game of the season yeah with the expectations that they had it would have been as it was as frustrating of a start as we had seen but let me tell you after James kind of showed off his leadership and mm -hmm. began dragging us back from the dead. Other players began to take suit and follow. And I think the three other players that made really an instrumental difference in that game were Omer, obviously, Mac McClung, and Jagan Mosley. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, shout out to Galen Alexander, too. He hit the three to put us up, I think, out off of yes, a, a really good pass and by James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. I think once James galvanized the troops, everybody stepped their game up a little bit. And I'm sure Ewing said some stuff in timeout too. But Mac had a really good finish to the game. He hit two threes, had a couple nice drives to the rim, even hit a mid-range. Uh, really, he showed off like an improved handle and patience on offense. Omer became much better on defense, got a couple blocks, rebounded everything that's kind of been one of the themes so far it's just how big he is yeah um and jagan too very impressively studied the offense helped the press we pretty much pressed the rest of the game um and he hit a couple threes too and, and had a nice drive to the rim a dump off to jamarco i believe for a dunk or no that was sorry that was um that was terrell yeah it was we closed out the game on a 20 to 1 run and it couldn't have come at a better time. And those three players, like, I, I can't say enough good things about what we have seen from Jacob Mosley to start this year. Yeah. He has been nothing short of demonstrably better than last year. And he was a starter towards the end of last year. What happened, but I think one of the biggest um, reasons he has developed into, one, he's shooting the lights out of the ball. He, who would have thought that? Jagan would have become a consistent threat from deep. And well, hey, hey, like like we said before, let's let's not overly project. He shot well so far. Yeah. That that he has, but the shots that he has made have, were massive, absolutely massive. There was one, and he's making all of the correct reads on offense. He had one drive toward um, he had one drive towards uh, the basket in the second half. And he threw the ball back over his shoulder. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a bit of a curious play because I thought he had a bit of a step. To what Mac was wide open behind him. He stepped right into the shot and absolutely buried it for a massive play. So one thing that's really impressed me is the fact that he's been consistently able to get his points on offense. But he, 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 the offense seems more stable when he's out there. He's the veteran presence that we knew we needed but wasn't sure where it was going to come from that has kind of calmed down the younger younger pups on the court. Yeah. So they are technically veterans at the <laughs> sophomore, uh, sophomore year mark. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Jagan's always been stable but pretty bad 
So it's not like stable. <laughs> it's not like stable was a good thing. Stable meant, you know, he wouldn't turn it over that much. He'd get open shots, maybe he wouldn't make them. And then every so often he'd lower his shoulder and plow into someone for an offensive foul. You know, I'm not salty at all, but yeah, <laughs> you read through that. Um, but yeah, he's really thoroughly outplayed Terrell Allen so far. And I think if he's able to keep this up, it'll be such an unforeseen boost to our second unit, especially on defense. Even the first unit, dude. Yeah, yeah, As true. Right now, Jagan has firmly cemented himself as a starter on this team moving forward. Yeah. And I think you highlighted the most important thing. He didn't always make the right play because he didn't trust himself. Mm-hmm. And you can see the confidence is at an all-time high, and he's reading the game much more clear. And he understands what this team needs from him. And he's embraced that and worked on that this offseason. And it's really showing through at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Who was uh, someone, right, tweeted at you saying that he had been shooting the lights out all summer? Yes, Harrison Nugent. He's a, he's a senior Mm. with you he's usually he went to the games he went to all the games with the baconator last year. oh yeah he was always the dude on the screen that i saw next to him yeah yep. he was the pope a lot right no so he was the pope one time oh, okay it's usually nicolo but harrison you know good looking blonde kid uh really nice guy <laughs> things about him yeah yeah but yeah so i mean it's clear that jay put in work in the off season is what i was trying to get at yes he definitely did um do you, do you have any other final takes in the Mount St. Mary's game? No, I think, I mean, you, you mentioned Jay, uh, you mentioned Jagan as someone who is firmly cemented in the starting lineup, but, you know, for a narrative's sake, the reason he started is because Josh did it. And that was an interesting layer to the game, not so much from a physical game standpoint, because I'm sure Josh would have helped us, as we all know, but hearing about why. That was Ewing was very quiet about it in the press conference. It was later revealed that there was a violation of team rules. And going into the second game, you know, which you and I were both at, it was interesting to see him not start again. Yeah, see, I actually thought that Josh might have started in lieu of Jamarco rather than Jagan, just oh, okay. because Jagan was starting at the end of last year. But you could definitely make an argument either for Jamarco or Jagan, etc. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think it was disappointing to hear about that about Josh. Um, I've heard rumors as to what what it was. Yeah, me too. Speculate because we don't know. Yeah, we we don't want to put it out there in case we're wrong. That's something we wouldn't want to be wrong about. Exactly. You need to. You need to actually. If you're gonna say what we've heard, you need to legitimately know that that had happened, and we don't. It's just rumor. Um, and it's disappointing because Josh is someone who is looked upon the court as a vocal leader of this team. And if you want to develop yourself into someone who your teammates look up to, you can't be getting suspended by your coach for violating team conduct. That's not what a leader does. Yeah. I think it's pretty simple, I think. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And it's not we're not going to dwell on it because he did end up playing in the second game. He didn't even play in the home opener. But it's definitely interesting to monitor going forward, especially uh, how that affects his role on the team. We'll get into that, but... Um, just you know to follow along first game to second game transition we did see a much better version of the Hoyas in the second game Uh, they handily took care of Central Arkansas and a lot of the same actually no a lot of they won but in a very very different way that I would say is more encouraging you would say it's more encouraging yes than the first game Uh, because even though we did go on that crazy run at the end you know, in my opinion, the fact that we needed the run to win was a little more um, worrying than most people are, are thinking. Yeah, and whereas this game, it was a clear wire-to-wire win with obviously a few wrinkles, but I think where we got our contributions from is what encourages me. Yeah, well, I think what you're saying is you would rather have this win because we basically held them at arm's length the entire game, even though we never really broke off. The game was never really in doubt because Mm -hmm. the offense was clicking at a rate that it just didn't in the first game. Everything was really working. And the the most encouraging part about that was that James and Mac, the two two of the top three offensive players from our first game, were non-existent in this one. Both of them really struggled shooting from the field. And neither one of them were really able to establish 
much of anything. If you look at their combined shooting percentage, they shot three of eighteen. Mm. Only hit, only went one of seven from three, and turned the ball over four times. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> James, in particular, turned the ball over three times. He yeah, had seven assists. But yeah. Still, after seeing what we saw from him, it was a disappointing game. It was. For sure. Yeah, Mac missed some shots, but he. He, you know, he probably shot a couple bad jumpers, but otherwise he did a great job of finding people when he, you know, getting to the rim, getting free throws. He had a couple nice drop-off passes, uh, a couple swings to the corner, two for threes. So for Mac, it was more of just an off game. Yeah, they, they neither one of them played a lot either. Uh, Mac only played 18 minutes. James only played 23. Yeah. Uh, I also do think with James, we are so used to him creating that he quietly had seven assists even i didn't yeah. realize yeah. he played that well from a passing perspective i didn't even know he had that maybe many Maybe some of the assists were easy plays but with mac a lot of times when we see him handling the ball you don't he, when you think of mac mcclung you think of someone who's a purebred mm-hmm. scorer mm-hmm. so when he makes a nice pass like he did he found a cutting josh leblanc in the second half on the baseline when he was entrusted to run the point for a couple of plays by pat it wows you so and I think Mac is very capable of doing yeah, it. It's just yeah. defense that frustrates you and frustrates Coach Ewing. And it frustrates us when Mac gets yanked for a mistake because we'd like to see him play through that. But yeah. neither here nor there. No, there's. I, I think the only qualm I have about that is that I think James rightly so has a longer leash than Mac with Ewing. Uh, Ewing's a huge fan of James. I think he likes him more than Mac just from how much the effort he went to to recruit him and the way he talks about him even. Um, they also have... Uh, they have shared experiences. James even said he, last year, he said he and Coach Ewing are incredibly close, and he looks up to him as not only just a coach, but like a lifelong mentor. Yeah, yeah. And, and you that plays out on the court, because James can be having a bad shooting game. And in all fairness, he can contribute in other ways than Mac, too. But um, that's something else we can we can talk about later. Uh, I think another encouraging sign was Omer's play again. He feasted, which was expected. But the way he did it was much better and much more promising than against Mount St. Mary's. He had a double double in the first half. Yeah. What? Remember, I predicted he was gonna have a twenty twenty game. I thought this was gonna be it. Well, the only reason it wasn't it was because he didn't even play half the game. He played nineteen minutes. Jesus Christ! From nineteen minutes, seven of ten from the field, fifteen rebounds, five were offensive, and seventeen points with three blocks. I mean. You could attribute it to some of it, just him being a massive human being, but a lot of it was just he was, he's so proactive on the glass. He is. He's always moving people, and he uses his weight very well. Oh, he does. He does. I think that's something way different than even what we saw from Jesse last year. Omer's only 10 pounds heavier, believe it or not, but he is a whole different type of force. I think we're... Honestly, I'm... We haven't even seen Omer shoot a jump shot, and I already am ready to declare that he is going to be a much better um, impact. He's going to have a much better impact on this team than Jesse did last year. I Oh, I'm on board with that already. Better rebounder, better rim protector. He's got to get better at, a pa- at passing out of the post, but that, I think, will come with reps, too, and just building chemistry with everyone. Uh, you know, Also, P&R defense, we'll see. But, yeah, I definitely think he, James, he's James's best friend, too. We've even seen some of the passes James has made to him. They've been nice. You can see the chemistry beginning to bud. We've been, we were clamoring in the stands because I actually, I, I went down to PC for the weekend. I was at the game with you, sitting next to you in the stands in the second row. We were clamoring for Omer to actually get more involved in a pick-and-roll offense yeah. um, rather than simply post up all the time which you began to see a little bit. I think we're going to see more of that Thursday. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Again, and, uh, so obviously he was the MVP of this game, but when you think about the offense and where it came from in this game, it really showcased the depth that this team offers. Jamarco scored 10. And he, listen, Jamarco's received a lot of flack for his play last year. I really don't have much really anything negative to say about the way JP has started this year. My guy. <laughs> he yeah. crashed the offensive glass pretty hard. 
on that first possession, he got like two offensive rebounds. Yeah, in play, yeah. Game. I remember that. I think he is beginning to embrace his role on the team too. He's beginning to understand that this team doesn't need him to score 15 a game, that he can impact in the team in a positive way, doing more subtle things. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, it, it makes sense that there was an adjustment year with Mac and James coming along because they were a lot of shots. But I also think that in hindsight this might save Jamarco's NBA career because it's forcing him to develop in ways other than strictly scoring. Where I mean, I feel by the time he's graduates here, he's going to have a very, very solid chance at getting drafted just because his rebounding, his defense, his shot blocking, his passing, all have gotten a lot better, and the jumper's still there. Yeah, he is, a, he is someone when he pulls up from three, you, you genuinely think there's a reasonable shot of it going in. Yeah, even mid, he hit a couple mid-ranges. Yeah, and one thing that's really impressed me about him in the offense is the way he's attacked rim. He never really forces the issue, but when it's there, he is 100% use a bit of a looping drive that kind of cuts across the yeah yeah to use his length to avoid the shot block and get a good look at the rim he did that well and uh, he had it one drive against mount st mary's that resulted in that and he had another one in that game against central arkansas it was pretty with the right hands one thing i would say he really has used his length well in guarding the three-point line jamarco's always been one of our better defenders but Sometimes, occasionally, he trusts himself a little too much. We saw that occasionally this past weekend. Yeah. Who is, who is that? That white dude, right? I think it was 34. Yep. That bastard. <laughs> we would have we would have covered if not for him. He flamed us from three. I, every shot that he put up seemingly went in. Good looking shot, but yeah, he shouldn't have been so that open. nice, but it also showed that our defense was helping too much and collapsing when they were able to penetrate into... Uh, into the lane, which is relatively concerning <laughs> going into Thursday. But yeah, I so, think. But yeah, I think that's just the defense doesn't have a lot of chemistry yet because there's so many different moving parts to this team. I agree. Yeah, and we haven't even seen a lot. I saw some decent stuff from Myron Gardner too. I mean, he airballed a three, but he was very active on defense and and good at getting downhill. Listen, we knew that Gardner wasn't going to be a player would consistently impact Georgetown in a way offensively that would jump out on the stat sheet right off the bat. But we knew he was springy, we knew he was tough, we knew he was muscular, and all you can really ask from a freshman who was built like that is to come in, make smart plays, play hard on defense, don't let him, don't let him get any easy buckets, and good your athleticism to your advantage. And the offense will come eventually, and when you have your shot, you just got to take advantage of it. Yeah, 100%, man. It's. I think we have some good pieces for the future. I mean, I don't want to look too forward, right? Um, you know, Especially after this year. But I think we have a lot of promise. I mean, we haven't even talked about Galen Alexander that much. But I he... I was just thinking about him. Yeah. Yeah, what do you have to say? As of right now, Galen Alexander is slowly becoming our most consistent... I would say our... He's becoming a weapon from beyond the arc, especially on the wing. I haven't seen a ton from him from a driving perspective. He will, he has no fear on offense. He will attack the rim. I don't think that's always going to be open for him. But when it is, sure, like take it, go. But the value that Alexander has showed me in the first two games is that when he's on the floor with players like James, Mac, or even Jagan, whatever, he is very good at positioning himself on the outside, particularly on the wings, or a kick out of three. And he's shown that he's more than capable of knocking them down, especially against Central Arkansas. He didn't play really at all. He only played 11 minutes, but he went two for four from the three-point three line, rebounded the ball five times, and had nine points. So yeah. as of right now, he looks to be our top scoring threat coming off the bench for sure. Yeah, you saw he almost posterized the kid too. Yeah, he's a tough. He's a tough kid. He's he's gonna matter. Muscular dude. He's gonna he's matter. Really muscular. Yeah, I'm he, telling he you. He kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit when it comes to the new people that were brought in. Oh, shut up! I said he was gonna be our most important newcomer. <laughs> all right, all right. You're I, on the Terrell I, Allen bandwagon, and now that Jagan's outplaying him. I love Terrell Allen. <laughs> 
Yeah, he did. He did. What he's actually really good at is that he is so disciplined on defense, dude. He is so disciplined. And if you just make a good play, if you're going to score on Terrell Allen, you just need to make a play. If he's not going to yeah. do something stupid or bite at something that he shouldn't, and I mean, it, I like the fact that he does that because we need more guards. Because James and Mac, particularly Mac, is just so undisciplined on the perimeter. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the thing with me is that Terrell Allen's also way smaller than I realized. He is kind of twiggish. He's he's. I mean, he's listed six three, one eighty five, but he looks closer to six one, maybe six two. 170 like see he's smaller than james maybe a little taller but thinner frame 100 percent, dude 100%. yeah so i that honestly that worries me a little i know he's disciplined and, and he's defended high level people so i i trust him but just from he's not a sexy player so the eye test for me is i know a little deceiving compared to how he'll play especially once conference play starts but i think that I mean, we didn't even talk about Jagan either, but Jagan had a great game too. Uh, yeah, obviously he, yeah. he he really stepped up, played well, yeah. hit shots. Again, impacted the game in an incredibly uh, positive way. And we were even we we briefly mentioned this in the uh, before the game before the podcast even started. Jagan's actually had the best point uh, per possession differential. Oh yeah, on the team thus far. So, again, honestly, you got to give him a lot of credit for the work that he's put in this offseason. You knew that he, he said in the media day that making the tournament this year means everything for him. And he's playing, like, he's playing in a way that really backs up that statement. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say he is definitely our most improved player thus far. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And... It's a really pleasant surprise if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought, right? Honestly, We're already wrong yeah. once. <laughs> yep, chalk that one up. Uh, so do you want to give any more points about Central Arkansas? No, I'm good. I'm good. Let's let's get this next yeah. week preview going. Man, oh man. Is this going to be a game? I know. Uh, it's Southern Georgia on next Sunday, man. What are you? Yeah. I'm hyped. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully, we don't look past Penn State when looking at Georgia State. No, no uh, relax. We know how dangerous of a team Georgia State can be. Uh, but in, in all honesty, Dude, this I'd is, be worried about my IM game. team right now with the way Georgetown played against Penn State Marys. Bro, yeah, I mean, Penn State is taking care of business in the, the, the against the two teams that they played. They absolutely demolished Maryland Eastern Shore, another team that we usually play. We played them last year. year. Yeah, we, I think we played them. At least two of the four years I was at camp, I was on campus, but Penn State beat them by thirty-eight points, eighty-four, forty-six, and Oof. then they completely smoked Wagner in ninety-one, sixty-four, and they did it in impressive ways, uh, to say the least. They got really, um, they had a really wide breadth of scoring. They wasn't necessarily just pure domination from Lamar Stevens. It was different players coming off the bench pumping in points. Production was diverse, to say the least, from their team. So they're kind of built in a similar way, depth-wise, comparatively, to us, where they don't necessarily... We, we each have one player who we know you can chalk up for about 15, ours being Omer and Penn State's being Lamar Stevens. But I think this could be a bit of a dogfight. My friends from Penn State are feeling... Confident, especially after our performance against Penn State Marys. <laughs> yeah, I think I do agree with you. It's going to be a slow game. We've seen even in two chances now, we played really fast against Central Arkansas, and I think we're better when we play fast. But we, agree. we had to muck it up against Mount St. Mary's to win that game, and I think we have the pieces to do that too. Maybe not for an entire 40-minute stretch, but we'll see. I, I think having Omer as a post-up threat helps so much when the game slows down, especially in the half court because we can dump it to him play and play through him pretty much yes we can he's gonna have his first real challenge of the year he's facing a legitimate big man threat in mike Watkins. he's bigger than Watkins, though he's listed as six foot nine 254 oh that's um, yeah 
you know, I mean, he's, he's big. Watkins, and you look at him, and he honestly looks bigger than that. I thought he would weigh about closer to 270 than 254. I mean, I mean look at this guy. He, uh, he is an imposing person to look at. Um, but he's averaged, he's averaged 70% from the field. He's not a stretch big, so he really just lives around the lane. He's a good rebounder, and he is a good rim protector. He's good at extending himself and disrupting shots around the rim. He's four blocks. 9.5 points, 9.5 rebounds per game. Yeah, so this guy looks first. big. Yeah, he is. Like, he looks bigger than he's actually listed. He's a thicker guy, looks muscular. It's going to be a test for Omer. I'm not particularly concerned. Wow, dude. Given how good Omer has looked. Um, because I think Omer is generally more athletic. He is taller. He is bigger. So I'm still expecting Omer to win that. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Watkins is 24. Believe it or not, I don't know what is he doing in college. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right. Definitely a good test. I think Omer will be fine. He's got a crazy good jump hook, and I, unless Watkins has some crazy wingspan, I really think he'll be able to just shoot over him. Honestly, uh, Watkins is quick, so I don't know if Omer will get as many drop steps or beat him on the break type things, uh, or even on the glass. You know, it might have to be a little bit more of a communal effort, but. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he'll handle him fine, especially if he can stretch him out to about the elbow range, maybe a little deeper. Yeah, I, I would agree. So this this will be the probably the first game where we look at Omer and be like, okay, what kind of outside game have you been working on with Coach Pat? So it'll be interesting from that perspective. Um, but when you look at this Penn State roster, I was talking about how deep they look. They have a bunch of guys who can really get on the scoreboard in a variety of ways. Starting off with Lamar Stevens, Myron Jones, Miles Dredd, Isaiah Brockington is kind of like their, um, must have been their type of uh, Galen Alexander. And Curtis Jones is also decent. Jamari Wheeler's a fine guard. But I do think the biggest matchup problem, and, you know, wow, I mean, don't worry, I won't burn myself on the stove with this one. It's going to be Lamar Stevens. <laughs> There's a reason people have been projecting, projecting him to be an All-American this year. And... With our current starting five, Carter, I don't necessarily know who matches up with him. And this is the reason is he's 6'8, 225. Obviously, Jamarco is the one who you think right off the bat with our starters, but Jamarco would be giving up a serious weight disadvantage because he's listed only at around 205. So that's 20 pounds. Jamarco's got length, obviously, but my initial reaction is. Lamar's going to bully him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and, and Watkins is a good enough finisher around the rim where if you send Omer to help, he's going to dump it down. 100%. The, and this is how Penn State likes to run their offense. They want to run it through Stevens, the double teams that happen down low, because he is a very adept passer. So if I'm being entirely honest with you, this is where... I see Josh LeBlanc making his first real big impact on the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I we're going to need Josh to play well. Um, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if Galen gets some run on him, if, if Stevens takes people out to the perimeter, because Galen's a big guy. I mean, shorter in height, I, and I you know this might be something that I get crucified for by the end of the game, but I, I think he could play him fairly well too. At least from a strength standpoint, he matches up 100%. with him best. Even when you look at Myron Gardner, Gardner only gives up three pounds and two inches to him. I wouldn't surprise me. It would be it would be surprising to me to see one player yeah. match yeah. up against him the entire game. I think what Ewing's going to try to do is just throw bodies. Throw bodies at him. Because each different player can bring something different. Jamarco, length, Josh, athleticism and strength. Alexander is stronger than he is. Gardner, freak athletically, is going to be really aggressive. So the fact that we have four guys right there who match up in some different way, yeah, it's good. he's going to try to keep Stevens off balance. Keep him on his toes, 100%. I think that's our and best strategy, really too. Break. Yeah, yeah, from a stamina standpoint. I, yeah, I don't know if Penn State has people we can help off of, but if you have two of those four people that we mentioned on our, squad, on our squad on the floor at the same time, 
you can definitely have some kind of shading action going where someone doubles and then comes back to help their man just to keep him as un keep Stevens as uncomfortable as possible. For sure. Um, I would probably say if I had to give a second or a third option, the two would be Myron Jones and Miles Dredd. I feel like Miles Dredd has been there forever. He's a top player. He's streaky, though, in his shooting. He, the first game against UMES, he played incredibly well. Scored 15 points, had two steals, a block, shot 71% from the field. But the game against Wagner, he really didn't do much of anything, especially shooting-wise. Shot one for ten from the field. Really? So I, I would certainly say that he is the type of player who is very well capable of going off. And I think he's going to be the one who Jagan Mosley is going to get assigned to because he's 6'4", 215. We're going to need a That's just about Jagan. Yep. So Mac and, Mac and James should not see Dredd at all really and if one were to it would have to be james but james would be giving up a solid 30 pounds on him yeah that's uh and james is not six one either so that it'd be about four inches yeah so uh, jagan will have a big opportunity to make another defensive statement jagan we know jagan brings it every week on the defensive side of the end we saw that last year against miles powell at home mm. um so I'm not too concerned about him breaking free. What I am concerned is, you know, potentially bringing someone off the bench like an Isaiah Brockington coming in and torching us. He's been incredibly consistent for Penn State. Comes off the bench, he's 6'4", 200 pounds, and he's averaging 11 points per game, shooting about 50% from the field. Mm. So it, it'll be – he doesn't really – he has a decent three-point shot. shot over 40% last year, and he struggled from downtown this year. Watch this be the game where he breaks out deep. Oh, yeah, it'd, it'd be very us Given the fact for that, that to happen. Given the haven't guarded the three-point line well. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to say. I haven't done a lot of research on Penn State, to be honest. Uh, I'm honestly not that worried about him, but three-pointers are definitely going to be our death this year from a defensive standpoint. I've, I've noticed that already. Um, James is small. Mac isn't great on closeouts. And uh, we can be a little undisciplined in terms of going for fakes or, uh, you know, not rotating quickly enough, especially when a team gets a really good rhythm and starts moving the ball well. So I that, I think, will be what keeps us on our edge every game this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when Mac does you know, play good defense, he is a little slow on those closeouts because yeah. he lacks length. He doesn't have the ability of a longer guard to – and be a step slow and still put up a good contest. He's really got to be on it. Yeah. He's only he's only six two, so it, yeah. it'll be interesting to say the least. It's tough, and that that I think is what got as is what's gotten him benched because he has. I gotta say he has improved as a one on one defender. One hundred percent. Like his activity level, his awareness, his discipline. It's significantly better, but it's those damn closeouts that get him. Before we get into uh, predictions, I just wanted to ask you one question. And I'm curious about what your take is on this. What happens? I think this is the the worst case scenario for this Thursday. Yeah. What happens if Homer picks up two quick fouls? I turn the game off. <laughs> I yeah. It would be problematic to say the least. We'd have to play Kudas a lot of minutes, and we'd have to see if he's up for it. Um, he's super raw. Obviously, definitely our second most physically imposing player on the team. But and he and he's played well from all circumstances that we've seen. He even hit a really nice jump hook against Central Arkansas that I did not expect. But in terms of his, you know, typical things that you associate with a freshman, raw, undisciplined, maybe not even conditioned to play extensive minutes, it would be tough. It would be tough. He and plays I don't, hard. I don't know how much I'd trust him, but I, mean, I would. I would not be comfortable with it at all. And uh, that's it's one area of the team you look at and you're like, we just really don't have a lot of front court depth, especially at the center position, even though Ewing did, in, like, he brought in a lot of centers this offseason. Two of them are projects in, uh, in uh, Malcolm Wilson and Timmy. So Kudos is he's our last line of defense, really, unless we got, want to go super small and play Josh at, uh, at the five, which isn't particularly ideal either. But Kudos is someone to keep an eye on because you know there will be a game when yeah. Homer picks up some fouls early and 
he's going to be thrust into the spotlight. We're really going to see what the kid's made of early yeah. and often because he hasn't been asked to do a lot. He's been fine. He hasn't really been someone who's jumped out at me as making a huge impact. He's active defensively, athletic, he throws his body around, crashes the glass. It's great. But it's what we expected. It, yes, exactly. It's what we expected. And so it'll be interesting to see if that happens. All right, predictions. You said you're not particularly worried about this game. No, I think well, – Why is that? I think having it at home is going to be way more important than we realize because, you know, our first road test will be against Texas. Um, and I think that first road game, you know, I'm, I'm honestly getting a little more worried about Texas the more I think about it. But I think for now – Purdue, so. <laughs> yeah. The uh that that too honestly um but the fact that it's at home I think will help a lot because at least in my opinion fan the fan base has been pretty solid the first two games um, yeah I've been impressed and you know the energy is there and I think also from a you know pride standpoint especially after almost fucking up against Mount St Mary's we want to defend home court and this will be a game even student wise and player wise that we get up for and knowing the way our team is. We always play better when the stakes are higher. And I think what we've done is just raise the stakes, honestly, the past two games. So I think everyone will be on their A game, which for us starts with James and Mac, at least outside of Omer. Because Omer, I think, will be a relatively consistent player throughout the year. But, the, you know, we will go as far as James takes us, in my opinion. So I expect him to show up, take this personally want to redeem himself after his last game move the ball play great defense shooters always shoot better at home too so i i think we win pretty comfortably i'd say we win by about eight to ten i'm not as optimistic as that i think it's going to be a bit of a battle back and forth i do think we pull away at the end i think we win by about six but it's not going to be something that we're it's not going to be a comfortable six i think it's going to resemble a bit of the Illinois game last year. Okay. We kind of started slow. Uh, the first two games didn't well, – I, I wasn't expecting to win that one. Where it's going to be a bit of a back-and-forth battle. I think Penn State, as I said, was built similar to us. They have different players they can rely on scoring from. And given our defense, I don't think they'll have issues getting buckets here and there. I do think they're going to struggle defending us, um, I think. I, I do think Galen Alexander is going to show up to play. I think he scores at least 10. Yeah, that was my prediction, too, for who is a good game that we don't expect. I, yeah, I mean, it was I him think... or Javon. I was going back and forth. Oh, bro, you know. you Bro, if it's Blair, if it's Blair Witch season on Thursday, <laughs> the Blair Witch trials, man. Where's Javon's shot? <laughs> oh, dude, my God. You, you just wait. When he starts hitting it, Javon Blair... Oh man, dude, don't even get me. He started. can't this play. He, there's no favorite. reason he should play, dude. I I don't I, understand I it. That he's my favorite. He just knows. He knows when Javon Blair breaks out, that's when the national player of the year <laughs> campaign starts. So when that's like uh after he graduates, right? In the high school league that he goes back to. <laughs> the Canadian. Yeah, bro. <laughs> He'll join Trey, Trey Dickerson. I don't. Is Trey still in the Canadian League? I don't think he is. I think he. I think he's fluttered around a bit. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was a lot. A lot of syllables. I, I. I do think we win this game. I think. Uh, I think we win this game, and then I think we might not really bring our A game against Georgia State on the weekend. We'll win. With our eyes set on. I think we'll win though. I think we're gonna go into Texas at the Empire Classic undefeated. And I think it's crucial that we do because we uh, that that's going to be the biggest game of the year. But I think we take care of business. As we said, I think James and Mac each score at least 12 apiece. I think James probably gets about 20. I think Omer gets 20. So we'll see. We'll see, though. Yeah. Uh, we are, you and I are definitely feeling more confident than a lot of people in the fan base, though, yeah. given the discouraging two performances you know if any the thing is, is i think this team is. yeah i was gonna say i'm happy we got our worst performance of the year out of the way too because i kind of it can only go up from here yeah you can't play much worse than you did the first 15 minutes of that so I mean, 25 25 yeah Mount Saint Mary's so game. i mean my my mindset is now like we've already seen how bad this team can go like let's let's ride the wave let's absolutely let's let's also that will be in the back of their minds for the rest of the season Especially Ewing. He's going to mention that every time the other team goes on a run. 
in you a timeout. If you're gonna screw up, get it out of the way early. Fail don't fast. Don't let man. it define you. Yeah. So I. They didn't. I think yeah. I think we'll we'll probably check back in after the Georgia State game before the Empire Classic just to see where we are and see where Texas is, but that's going to be definitely our first this Penn State game I don't see it as a real test I see it as a semi-test like this is a test of whether or not we'll be decent this year but the Texas game will be a test of whether or not we actually deserve to be taken seriously I would agree with that 100% so yeah uh, if everything goes well we will be coming back and, uh, as being undefeated <laughs> next week how about that? <laughs> the campaign continues. Goddamn right. Any closing words? No, no, I'm excited. Just uh, more basketball. Like I'm just happy basketball's back for all the stress it causes. I'm happy we're still doing the podcast, too. I am, too. I am, too. Uh, nothing makes me smile more than giggling about our stupid jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, man. We probably... We, I know. We probably annoyed the shit out of the people who were... Um, sitting near us at the game because <laughs> every five seconds we're saying something or analyzing something dude i kept yelling stuff about javon blair <laughs> yeah what did i say i said something really funny i forget what it was oh my dude honestly but the, the best part is nobody cracks each other up more than we do ourselves yeah yeah <laughs> that's what matters most though oh i was like oh after javon hit that um the floater I was like, we got to run the offense through him. Yes. Point Blair. <laughs> yeah. uh, some kid at one point, I just kept yelling, feed Javon. He's like, you know he hasn't made a shot yet. Yeah, he was our two-point specialist that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like like we said, two more exciting games, full of drama. You already know that's gonna happen, full of surprises. But we're here for it, man. One hundred percent. And uh, with that, we'll check back in next week, guys. Yeah, absolutely, Hoya Saxa. Yeah.